the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. In the challenging times we live in today, we believe that God's Holy Word is the single most important source to all the answers we need and are searching for. Jesus tells us in Matthew 7:24 that anyone who hears his words and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on solid rock. It is our hope with this program to help you grow in your daily walk with Jesus Christ. Lift Up Jesus is part of an outreach ministry from Shepherd Church in Los Angeles, California. Our pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with his message for us today. I want you to take your Bibles and turn quickly to Luke chapter 10. Turn over to, you're in Matthew, go, go over to Luke chapter 10. One of the most, really one of the most important stories in, in the whole Bible. Jesus, everybody say Jesus. Jesus in this story is actually literally talking to a lawyer. Imagine that. I think all lawyers should talk to Jesus, don't you? How many, how many think all lawyers should just have a little talk with Jesus? And the lawyer, you know, he asked Jesus a question in, in Luke chapter 10. He says, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? In other words, what do I as a lawyer How can I, what do I need to do to go to heaven? And I would say, I don't care what your profession is, every single man, woman in this room should be asking Jesus, what do I need to do to go to heaven? And if you're going to ask someone, what do I need to do to go to heaven? Jesus is the person to ask. Well, Jesus answers the question with the question. You know, he wants you to think on your own two feet. The lawyer says, Jesus, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus asked the lawyer, well, how do you read the Scriptures? In other words, what does the Bible say? And I just want to put this in there, that anytime anybody asks you a question about anything in this world, you ought to answer just the way Jesus did. Don't don't just tell them everything you think. You should just say, what does the Bible say about this? Because the Bible has the answer to all of life's greatest issues. So the lawyer comes to Jesus He says, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, well, Mr. Lawyer, big shot lawyer, they pay you a lot. How do you read the scriptures? What's the Bible say? And the lawyer says, well, here's how I read it. According to how I read it, I've got to do two things. One is to love the Lord God with all of my heart, my soul, my strength, and my mind. And then he said, secondly, I, as I read the scriptures, that in order for me to go to heaven, i got to love my neighbor as myself. Jesus said, correct. You answered correctly. 
Now, you'd think that'd be the end of the story, but lawyers being lawyers, lawyers always ask questions so they can find a loophole. Isn't that what lawyers do? Looking for that loophole? So the lawyer comes in, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, well, how do you read the Scriptures? He says, well, the way I read the Scriptures is to love the Lord your God with my heart, my soul, my strength, my mind, and secondly, to let, love my neighbor as myself. And Jesus said, correct. And the lawyer said, I got one more question. And he said, who, who technically, if I got to love my neighbor, who technically is my neighbor? Is it the good neighbor that takes my trash out from me on vacation, or is my bad neighbor whose dog stays up and barks all night long and I can never sleep? Is it the person that lives literally next door, or do I have to love everybody on the block? Who technically is my neighbor? Jesus tells a story to answer that question. It's about a man, a Jewish man who's going from Jerusalem over to Jericho. It's kind of like if someone was going to walk here and go to Simi Valley, you'd go up and over the Santa Susana Pass. The difference is that road would have been a lot narrower and far more dangerous and taken a lot longer. It was real windy and curvy. It went up and down through a canyon. There's a road there today you can take, and you'll see it's just this windy road. And it was a perfect place to be robbed, mugged, or killed. And sure enough, the man, as he was on his way to Jericho, he was uh, a robber, a thief, came and beat the man half to death, took all his clothes, took all of his belongings, and left him there on the side of the road to die. He's literally laying on the Santa Susana Pass. And he's half dead, he's naked, he's going to die. And Jesus says... Uh, there was a priest, which is a religious man, a Jewish religious man, was walking by. A priest looked over and saw the man and just kept walking. And then Jesus said, uh, there was a Levite. That's also a religious man. Uh, a Levite walked by. He saw the man laying there, and he just walked on by. And then Jesus said, there was this third fellow. He was a Samaritan. Now, If you know the context, uh, Jews and Samaritans didn't get along. That's going to surprise some of you. They had racial issues back in those days. That's a big part of this story. But here's what Jesus said in Luke 10, verse 33, that a Samaritan, as he traveled, he came where the man was. The priest and Levite had walked on by, but when he saw him, when the Samaritan saw him, he He took pity on him, and he went to him, and he bandaged his wounds. He didn't have someone else do it. He did it. He poured on oil, which was expensive back in those days, and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day, he took out two silver coins, and he gave them to the innkeeper And he said to the innkeeper, hey, I'm on a business trip and I won't be back for a few days, but here's two silver coins. I want you as the innkeeper to look after him, he said. And when I return, I'm coming back the same way. I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. And then Jesus turns to the lawyer and he asks this question, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? 
And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And then Jesus told him, go and what? Do likewise. Those are Jesus' words to everyone here in this room today. Go and do likewise. I want you to write this down. There's always three classes of people. One are the beater uppers. These are the people that are going to rob you, steal from you, kill you, destroy you. These are the robbers, the thieves, the pornographers, the evildoers, the abusers, the drug traffickers, the drug dealers, the pimps. These are the beater-uppers. But there's a second class of people. Those are the passer-uppers. Those are folks who see what's going on and just walk on by like the priest and the Levite. They can be religious folk. They can be people whose names are on the church rolls. They're people who see the problem that do nothing to fix the problem. We see it, but we don't really want to get involved. So we just walk on by. But then there's that third group of people, the lifter-uppers, folks who stop and serve and forgive, who sacrifice to help others, even towards people who have mistreated you in the past. We give mercy. The story of the Good Samaritan is the story of a great picture of what it means to be merciful. Read that text over and over again. Go and do likewise. And then we come to the third point, which is mercy perfected. Everybody say the word perfected. Now go back and look at that verse in Matthew 5, verse 7. It says, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown, what? Mercy. I just want to say this. You can't do that. that. That is step two. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. That's step two. You can't do step two until, first of all, you understand step one. And step one, write this down. We don't give mercy just to get mercy. We give mercy because we have received mercy. That's why people skip over this. They don't really understand this verse. And this is the most important thing you need to know, is that you cannot give what you do not have. In order to give mercy, you have to first have received mercy. And who is it that shows us the most mercy? Why, it's God. And I want to say something that's going to surprise some of you. It's going to shock some of you. Some of you are going to disagree with me, but hear me out. God is not a fair God. There's nothing fair about God. Do you know that? Do you understand that? Have you ever cried out in the middle of the night, it's not fair, God? You lose your job, you lose a mate, you lose a friend, you lose a son, you lose money, you lose your health. What do we do? We cry out to God. We say, God, is not fair. I would say to you that life is not fair. And you need to be thankful that God is not fair fair because hear me out if god was fair then we would all get what we deserve Mm -hmm. you better be careful what you wish for the bible says that we're all sinners that we've all broken the law that we've all we all deserve the wages of our transgressions is death But God is a God who is rich in mercy 
And he gives us not what we deserve. He gives us what we need. Mm -hmm. The psalmist cried out in Psalm 51, verse 1. He said, have mercy. He said, have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy on me, O God. His prayer is not, oh God, please be fair. No, no, his prayer is, God, have mercy on me according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Don't hold me guilty for those transgressions. I mean, if we got what we deserve, God would just zap us all into hell right now. You say, well, how does this work? Well, Ephesians 2, verse 4 and 5 explains this to us. It says, God who is rich. Oh, God is rich. The God I serve is rich, but He's rich in mercy, and He made all of us alive with Christ, even when we were dead. We're like that guy laying on the side of the road, half dead, half beaten. We're dead, but even while we were dead in in transgressions, He made us alive with Christ. It is by His grace that we have been saved. In God's mercy, He acted. We don't deserve His grace. We don't deserve His forgiveness. But because He's he's rich in mercy, He pours those things in our life. Then you come to step two. Once you realize all that God has done for you, then you share that mercy with others. And then we we gain even more mercy when we give the mercy that we have received from God away. It is the circle of life but it's not the circle of life it's the circle of mercy does anybody owe you money is there anybody out there that actually owes you money i mean i know people that owe me money i've got a list here right here no <laughs> has anyone ever offended you and and, and right now you're here in church on 9 11 weekend and you're holding a grudge against somebody there's somebody along the road that has hurt you that either literally or physically or emotionally as we prepare to close. You're not just supposed to give kindness. You're not supposed to just be compassionate. You are to walk giving mercy to those around you. Stop and serve and bless and forgive. It will result in your life being blessed with even more mercy. Oh, the world in which we live would look so much different if you and I would just give mercy to people who don't look like you, people that have a different view on being vaccinated than you, people who live in a different zip code than you, people who have a different political view than you, people who have cats. Amen? Oh, you would bless those around you. You will bless those around you, but you are actually the ones who will be blessed. I I close with this story. It's a true story about a little boy who every Sunday his dad took him to church. And if you're a dad here today, you should be taking your children to church every Sunday. Every Sunday. Uh, raise your hand if you, have, if, you have, if you have small children. If you have small children, raise your hand real high. Let me tell you something. Everything in this world right now 
is designed to try to lead your child down a wrong path. Everything. But the church, and you as a father or leader of your household, bring that child to church. Get them plugged into the youth ministry because we exist to lead that child down the right path towards the things of God. Amen? So this little boy, his dad, when he was just growing up, every day, every Sunday, his dad, on the way to church, he would take a comb. He must have had hair. (laughs) And he would wrap that comb in a red bandana, stick it in his pocket, and take take the kids to church. This boy saw this every Sunday. And the boy fell in love with that red bandana. And when he was six years old, six, his dad gave him that red bandana. And everywhere he went, that little six-year-old boy had that red bandana. You couldn't take it away from him. When he was seven, when he was eight, when he was nine, he'd take it to school, he'd get on his bike, the red bandana was sticking out his back pocket, riding his bike down the street. When he went to high school, he played sports, playing high school sports. He had that red bandana in a pocket, or it was tied around his head. That boy would not leave that red bandana. Strangest thing you ever saw. His name was Wells. Everybody say Wells. His last name was Crowther, Crowther, Wells Crowther. He eventually became a stock trader, and he was on the 104th floor of the World Trade Center South Tower. And on that day, on September 11th, 20 years ago, when UA Flight 175 was flown into the South Tower, cutting a fatal swath between the 78th In 85th floor, up on that 104th floor was Wells Crowther, and he had that red bandana with him. Several floors below, there was a woman named Lynn Young. She was blown back by the explosion. As she tried to gain focus, she couldn't see because her glasses were covered in blood. She cleaned her glasses so she could see, and all around her was the carnage of mangled bodies. She thought she was going to die. Then she saw, coming through the dust and through the debris, a young man with a red bandana. And he said, I found the stairs. Follow me. And Wells Crowther led Lynn and a few others down 17 flights of stairs to a group of firefighters who would then lead that group of people down another 20 flights to working elevators to get people out of that building. Wells Crowther, instead of going down the next 20 and getting the elevator, he goes with his red bandana, he puts it in front of his face, and over his nose so he can breathe, and he walks back up 17 flights of stairs. Most of us can't walk up two. He finds another group of people that are trying to get out of that building. And he stands and he cries out, everyone who can stand, stand. And if you can help others, do. 
And he led a second group down those 17 flights of stairs, again to another waiting group of firefighters who would take them down another 20 flights and get them on working elevators. But Wells Crother did not go down with that second group. He went back up those stairs to help other people. And the building collapsed. And he never made it out. And although he's gone, his bandana is not because it's now a part of the 9-11 Museum in New York City. That red bandana has become a symbol of heroism and self-sacrifice. It's a real story of a real man with a red bandana who gave his life to help other people. It's a touching story. They say he himself helped save the lives of 12 people. But I want to show you another symbol of heroism sacrifice. Look at this, look at this symbol. This is the cross where God looked down on humanity, not just 12 people, but he looked down on all of us. And on that cross, Jesus bled. And that blood almost formed a river at the foot of the cross that flows to anyone who will receive him, who will accept him. God in his mercy, in his mercy, in his grace, he loved us even though we were sinners. Christ died for us. God through Christ forgave us all of our sins having canceled the written code that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to that cross, an emblem of mercy. We hope you were blessed by our program today. If you are in need of prayer, we invite you to call us at our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. Our Lift Up Jesus phone counselors are ready for any prayer requests you may have at this time. You can also contact us right now if you'd like to receive a copy of today's message on either CD or DVD. Our number again is 888-818-4777. For more information about Pastor Dudley Rutherford, Shepherd Church, or this ministry, be sure to visit our website, liftupjesus.com. Our website again is liftupjesus.com. It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every week. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888 888- 818-4777. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. We live in the most distracted culture in the history of the world. We see about 10,000 messages every day. We even touch our phones about 2,000 times a day. We're literally being overwhelmed with information. That's why there's no better time than right now for Dudley Rutherford's remarkable new book, One Thing. Rediscover a simpler faith in our complicated world. 
In this timely book, Pastor Dudley invites you to open your Bible and look closely at seven key passages of Scripture where you'll find the beautifully uncomplicated phrase, One Thing. These scriptures will quiet all the noise that you're hearing and call you back to a simpler faith. Dudley Rutherford has discovered the secret of how to focus our lives on the one thing that matters. What if you could find that simplicity? It's waiting out there, and this is your roadmap to freedom. Contact Lift Up Jesus today and get your copy of One Thing, the book that could finally change everything. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us again next week at this same time as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.